Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Welcome to Screen Talk, a very special Thanksgiving edition of IndieWire's weekly movie podcast. I'm Eric Cohn, the executive editor-in-chief critic, joined as always by Ann Thompson, our editor-at-large. And it's nice to be recording on a Tuesday. It feels like somehow... No leaf blowers today. <laughs> no leaf blowers to interrupt our bickering and also just a, sh- a nice short week, which hopefully, you know, knock on wood, is not going to be interrupted by some crazy breaking news because I know I could use some time off. I'm sure that you could as well after this year vacation has never been more valuable in human history than 20 i am so ready to let it go as it's i'm gonna totally let it go my daughter and i are gonna hole up in a cabin in the woods that sounds about right i'm off in in north fork with some just a few friends not not a big crowd but trying to get some downtime and, and sort of break away from city life for a bit and uh just sort of taking the year into focus and, and thinking things through because the weird experience that I've been having of late is recognizing that in spite of everything being on hold, we're so busy and our anticipation of 2021 continues apace. And it feels like, you know, even award season is on a timeline that more or less has a, a ring of familiarity to it. I mean, it's just delayed a bit. Different. Yeah. It's a different, it's a different, timeline in terms of how it's unfolding but we have certainly plenty to talk about a lot of movies to anticipate still to come and and plenty that we've already seen just as we're recording we've got the IDA nominations obviously the headline item for me is that the mole agent was robbed but what was your take on it? Well, look, this year, uh, there's so many documentary possibilities and so many strong films. Um, This one seems... How do I how do I look at this? Uh, all right. If you look at the past, um, uh, they have 10 nominations. And last year, uh, their winner was for Sama, which was one of the five final Oscar nominations and four. Um, four out of the <laughs> three more uh, from those 10 were in the final five. The, the cave was the one that wasn't nominated and, and made it. And, and so American Factory, the eventual winner was there. So they're, they're reflecting the, the yeah, they're very good, but, but they're, they're, they're slightly, how do I, I want to say that they're, they lean into the humanistic political and um, uh, verite side of the equation. So that uh, Kirsten Johnson's uh, Dick Johnson is dead. It, 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 and, and, and my octopus teacher got a couple things, but, but you can assume that, that this is a more mainstream uh, documentary sensibility. So you mainstream get, uh, isn't the right word. No. I mean, I mean, conventional, almost yeah, uh, conventional, fast, serious doc. Exactly. Because the doc community itself loves to celebrate some degree of breaking the rules and, and unconventionality 
but it's it, you never really quite know what's going to land in that respect because you know it starts with the most attention grabbing stuff that is you know cutting edge because of its more journalistic properties although for sama was interesting because that was a very delicate kind of handmade movie that happens so heartbreaking uh, yeah, it's so I, heartbreaking war. the 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 trick here uh, is to c- touch the emotions and i would have thought that dick johnson is dead would have did would have done better and i was um, all agent which is an incredibly poignant movie about the aging process would have done better but it's almost i like think it has to do with how many people have seen how many of the films and the ones that that get i have to say from the very beginning crip Kank, camp which i love and admire and i think it's a great piece of of documentary filmmaking in a in a cynical way does tick all the boxes absolutely i mean it is it is a conventional piece of storytelling it's certainly uh emotional and it's an important subject matter but it's not breaking the rules like a dick johnson no Although I have to say the movie that really stood out to me seems to be the one that's churning along from, you know, it's opening last week till this one, as we talked about it last week, Collective got, you know, all these rave reviews around opening, even though it's been on the circuit for a really long period of time. And that's a movie that is incredibly ambitious in terms of the way it uses cinema verite, but is also incredibly topical because it deals with democracy and crisis and, and corruption. Yeah. Yeah. And the health that, system that in Romania. I love it. I hope everybody sees it. Um, and, and one thing I did notice was that a lot of international films uh, did do well. Uh, there, there seems to be some, some growing um, acceptance. of. There's a whole range of movies that come out in Europe and around the world that we don't tend to recognize here. And I'm glad to see that that's starting to break down. Yeah, I remember when I went to IDFA, the International Documentary Film Festival in Amsterdam, it's the biggest doc festival in the world, how eye-opening it was to me, this was, I don't know, seven or eight years ago, uh, to be exposed to such an international market for nonfiction, because at least at that point in time, there weren't a lot of international documentaries, non-English language documentaries that seemed to really gain traction in the American market. And I don't know exactly what changed. It feels more like maybe a cultural shift overall and openness to more international storytelling. I mean, the Honeyland effect certainly seems to be present this year. But again, people need to watch Mole Agent. That's a great movie. <laughs> <laughs> Collective is really good too. They're both those are the two those are the two docs that are also, you know, the the uh foreign submissions or the international submissions from their countries from Chile and, and Romania that I think should have a shot in both of those categories. So I'm really sad to see though that um inexplicably uh Naturno was overlooked by the ideas when it totally at least cinematography give me that and the thank god italy submitted it for the oscar i'm really it's pleased. amazing actually that it's the italian submission when you have pinocchio which we we'd been talking about before recently acquired by roadside attractions seems like the more obvious kind of you know it's a bigger movie and maybe even one that could have won a category like that given all all of those i facts. don't know that's an odd movie we talked about this it's it's it's, it's too it strange i thought it was going to be the life ahead i thought it was going to be uh, the sophia lauren netflix doc uh movie well, but I, they went with the new trend, which we talked about last week. They went with the documentary submission for uh, international. Oh, and, and then that filmmaker has been nominated before. It's, it's uh, a beautiful film and incredibly timely. And it's going to get more attention as soon as it gets a distributor. <laughs> That's part of the problem going on there. 
but uh, but it, it is a, a very different kind of movie than the others we've talked about because it's a collection of small moments. I mean, it's, it's hard to even describe what this movie is. You it's know, so extraordinarily of- difficult to do what he does. Yeah, and he, he did it with Fire at Sea and he did it again this time even more effectively, uh, spending eight months just looking at the scenery and figuring out and meeting the people, seeing where he wanted to come back and yeah. then coming back and filming it. It, it. It's an amazing thing. It is sort of, I mean, like Collective, it's a filmmaker who embedded with his subject for this incredibly long period of time to get all the footage he needed to make this meticulous movie experience. Like you don't feel like there's any gaps in that sense. So for example, there's, there's a scene, there's a prison scene and you're wondering how did he get these women to show up and, and wail and moan and, and, and grieve inside the very cell that the guy that they're grieving died, the son died. And, and, and it just has this extraordinary power because of the location. And so a series of things had to happen for that to occur. And, and there's a similar uh, sequence where, where he is, um, absolutely capturing uh, this woman talking on, uh, showing us the cell phone conversation with this, with her daughter who's been kidnapped. It's just heartbreaking. How did he get that woman to show him (laughs) this, this, this thing? And and there's a long story behind that. Yeah. I do think that this has been a a good year for innovation in documentary storytelling across the board, irrespective of, you know, what the IDA nominees tell us big picture wise. I mean, you look at, the film we were just talking about in Eterno, but also Time and also uh, Gunda is another one where, I mean, these are films that are technically documentaries, but doing things with the form, with the image, with the way that the story is constructed that go beyond just showing us real life and allow the filmmaker's vision to kind of drive the show. And I think that's just really heartening to see because it feels like there's been a constant back and forth within the doc community about getting outside of the, the kind of the, the more rigid approach to nonfiction story. Yeah, I think you're absolutely right. And it's when art and, and reality uh, collide in the best possible surprising way that you find uh, uh, the, the sweet spot. But I, I would ar- also argue that if you go too far and, and alienate people, then, then you're not in a good place. So do we think that there is a clear front runner among these yet? I mean, it really is hard to get a sense of which movie. I mean, I don't know how much people have seen. As well, that. for example, Dick Johnson is Dead did very well with Cinema Eye Honors, which is a different group, you know, a more art, art, art oriented group, yeah. if you like, indies. And then you have um, Crip Camp very much in the running for, for, for the win, I would argue. Um, uh, I would suggest. Well, I'm sure Netflix is going to get behind that one more than anything else. Even if Dick Johnson is, is, you know, perhaps the more exciting one for, from a, you know, cinema standpoint. Absolutely. And the critics could help there. The critics are going to be very useful <laughs> as it were in but this again, situation. So competitive. I mean, Do it's, you have a sense of where the critics are? are I mean, Boy State is wonderful. For example, that got truffle hunters is wonderful. I, um, I think critics, the vote will be fascinating for say the New York film critics group on December. 18th where you you sort of see it happen in real time because there's so many docs in contention and a lot of them have been really well reviewed. I mean, most of what we're talking about here has been positively reviewed off of the festival circuit or on release. 
So where does consensus come into play there? It's, I have no idea. I don't think it's a crip camp. Maybe it's a dick job. No, they'll see that as the front runner and they'll want to honor something else. This would be, they would go for an Eterno if they've seen it. Yeah, I mean, again, big if, big if with these sort of things, the bigger the group, the harder it is to tell what people have time to see. I mean, not especially every, not with the docs, but this year you would hope they would have more time. I hope so. With fewer <laughs> films, narrative films, and right? What else do they got? It's 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 right? like this. There's this many, you know, narrative movies and this many docs at this point. Well, speaking of having a lot of time and and to to watch more movies, I, I certainly hope that the Sundance lineup, which we spent the last couple of weeks predicting for our, our wish list that went out this week uh, is an opportunity for more people to pay attention to this festival at that stage. We don't totally know how that's going to work, but I just kind of love the idea on some weird level, even though I'll miss the Park City experience of 50. We're all going to be communing in this virtual ether. Yeah. And there's, but the, you know, the, of, I don't know how accurate our, our picks are all across the board. I do some research on it, but it, it looks like a good, it could be a really good lineup. I saw you included a couple of the Searchlight and A24, like Come On, Come On, the Mike Mills, which I'd heard was going to go to to Sundance or at least try, try to go. And and uh, uh, the, the Taika YTT, I'm not so sure. I, I, my sense was that that was pushed back. Um, the wish list uh, part of it gives us some leeway to maybe put a, be a little bit um, unrealistic for some of those things. But again, it's like everything is subject to change. I mean, if they decided they want to take it, I bet Sundance would be thrilled to have it, right? And David Lowry, I had heard, was way pushed back, but it makes perfect nice. sense for that one to be yeah, I mean, that, Sundance. That They've been championing him for years. Well, yeah, right? and, and that film had a festival. It was going to go to South by Southwest. It had so that it's done. Yep. Yeah. It's been ready for a while, so it wouldn't be a bad idea to take something like that. But then you have just like tons of discoveries and docs on people like Lizzo and Mayor Pete. And All these people. untitled docs that yes. you stacked up at the end. The bottom there, yeah. <laughs> untitled on Lizzo. <laughs> yeah. But I can't wait to see that. I mean, I don't know if it'll be a great movie or not, but it, you know, Lizzo is a great cultural figure. And it's always fun at Sundance to have those kinds of things. I mean, you won't get the echoes premiere with the, you know, insanity of the crowd when the subject shows up or whatever. But look, the thing that I always live for at Sundance is that moment at the Eccles where you've got, you know, roadside over here and Amazon over here and, you know, Netflix over here and they're all sitting in their, you know, Sony pictures, classics, Tom and Michael are in their corner. You know, you even, you and I could both lay out the geography of who's sitting in what seat, you know, they always go back. Back year after year, there's this row of people from from roadside or whatever, and and you say, "Hey, Howard," you know, you know, you say hello to your friends, and they're all there because they're about to decide whether or not to pick up the movie. And there's the huddle afterwards, and I just love that that My excitement. The year Along with favorite. wanting to see a new movie and discover it for the My first time. My favorite year in the Eccles, or favorite moment in the Eccles, was when Kevin Smith totally trolled the audience with Red State because all the buyers showed up and then he bought it in an auction for a dollar at the beginning of the QA. <laughs> Everyone was so mad. They're like, why would we waste our time watching your weird genre bending exercise? <laughs> they probably yeah. all walked out. <laughs> No, I mean, it was just it was just really funny because he knew exactly what that what that scene is like. And I do think that whatever happens on the other end of this, there will be some kind of buyer's market at Sundance this year. People, of course. Buyers, buyers will still want to be able to go to some kind of festival 
infrastructure to see how a movie plays with an audience when this is all over, however it ends. I think that- By the way, stu- this has nothing to do with Sundance. This is just a, an association. Um, yesterday, while I was waiting in line, uh, a very long line for my COVID test so that I can um, get together in a pod with my daughter who has a roommate and therefore we can't control her access to people. Um, I um, was listening to Kim Masters, The Business on KCRW, which uh, was an interview with Jim Giannopoulos, the head of Paramount. And it was fascinating to listen to him describe the realities of the marketplace and why he kept certain films, why he sold other films to Netflix uh, and the whole thing that has gone on. So if anyone's interested in that kind of thing, the minutia of studio studios na- navigating through the pandemic, uh, he's an interesting one to listen to. We got to get Jim Janopoulos on this podcast. I mean, there's, it is fascinating to see how some of the luminaries of the business talk about 2020 when they've spent years kind of regurgitating the same kinds of things or anticipating the changes in the market because nobody anticipated the changes that this year has brought. And yet movies keep coming out. Studios are still trying to figure out solutions to either dump the product they had or make it successful in a very unpredictable uh, future. And we've got many of them on the calendar now. So why don't we talk about that? Because there's actually several films that are coming out before the end of this year that we still haven't even seen. I mean, there, there is stuff around the corner. So what do you make of what we've got left? Well, for one thing, um, Tom Brueggemann, bless his heart, did the heavy lifting and figured out what's going on with Nomadland, which is a big question mark. I mean, it's supposed to open <laughs> on December 4th in theaters. What theaters are open? You know, how are they going to navigate that? Um, so that's, that's, so what they're going to do uh, because of you guys, the critics, is these companies are going to qualify their films so that they can be uh, eligible for the critics prizes because they need that they need that elevation and then they'll open these movies in february or whatever it is but also coming there's these two bleaker street movies the the <laughs> it's called um I keep wild locking this to Wild Mountain Time, which is the some yeah. Irish song that they keep singing um, in the movie with uh, Emily Blunt, American playing Irish, Christopher Walken, American playing Irish, and then hey, the after real Chicago Irish. Seven, we can't get into all the things. <laughs> Jamie Dornan. <clears throat> yeah, exactly. Uh, who, the heartthrob uh, of, of uh, Fifty Shades of Grey uh, fame. So, so the uh, it's it's uh, so that's John Patrick Shanley, the playwright and screenwriter who, of course, wrote Moonstruck. So it's it looks. I, the trailer made me sort of go, hmm, this might be fun. It, it looks, looks like hokey, a, uh, but it looks like romantic hokum that could be amusing. And people will watch it with that cast, and it it does feel a bit like uh, like an HFPA kind of sweet spot totally not oscary at all for it there and then bleaker also has supernova which looks like it could be you know strong performances the reviews out of san sebastian were were solid enough colin firth and stanley tucci as a gay couple uh and one of them is dying yeah not the easiest selling point after wild mountain times premise but you know (laughs) More Oscar-y. <laughs> it's more Oscar-y, as we like to say in these parts. And then, of course, we got Tom Hanks, 
uh, donning his cowboy hat for News of the World, the Paul Greengrass. That I'm excited about. And the trailer looks fantastic. And it has a slight um, comparative aspect to uh, Nomadland in the sense that it's a road movie and they're going across the country. Only this time it's post-Civil War, not now. Yeah. So I'm, I'm looking forward to that. I bet it's gorgeous. It, 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 yeah, it looks it looks pretty. I mean, Greengrass is such a fascinating filmmaker because sometimes he really goes the extra mile. He can be a bit of a work for a hire, but not. I don't think of him that way at all. Well, he, when, he, he, when was he work for hire? On the Bourne movies. One of them was great. I don't think of that as work for hire at all. I think of that as high level achievement. I you do. Did a great job. You did a he great really job. He really did incredible things. Yeah, I think he's done and he's done stuff. I mean, we, we for, the thing is, he's a strong enough filmmaker that we forget like a green zone or whatever. You know, there there's stuff in there that is sort of like man. United 93. Incredible. Incredible. Movie. And Captain Phillips. Uh, you know, these are really well, good movies. Like, yeah, exactly. So do we get a great Tom Hanks performance to sort of round out the year? We don't know yet. But uh, but sure. So that's that'll be interesting to see an actual bonafide studio movie that's coming out into theaters and then you have the whole Wonder Woman sequel situation. We'll actually get that on some level. I guess most people watch that on HBO Max. But, uh, I, you know, I, I'm excited to see that. But I, I it's not, you know, uh, how do I explain this? It, it's fun. It's just for fun. And I, in that case, I'm not feeling deprived of not seeing it on the big screen as much as I am Tenet. Tenet still bugs me. It bugs me that I have not seen Tenet properly. I saw it in a drive-in and it was horrible well, uh, that was to see it that way. That was um, the risk with that movie. It was, uh, there was never a good moment in 2020 to make that the big screen moment. We never had theaters open in, in LA. Right. And you didn't have them in New York. Nope. But I mean, you could I could have gone to New Jersey. I didn't feel... And like I could have gone to Irvine. Yeah. So it was, there were options and people took them. I did go to the drive-in. That was a mistake. Hmm. Yeah, drive-ins, they have their limits. We've talked about that. No Madland looked good. It was fine. And and I think there's going to be other drive-in options uh, going forward. But yeah, Tenet isn't the right thing to see that, that way. Yeah, yeah. It's, a, it's a gamble for sure. So why don't we... What else do we have? There's the, the Daniel Kalia uh, yes. Judas and the Black Messiah, which is later in the year, in 2021. And that's the Fred Hampton Black Panthers. That story. looks promising. There's Very the United States that. versus Billy Holiday, which is Paramount, which is uh, 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 Andrew Day as Billy Holiday, uh, Lee Daniels directing. Yep. So that could go always an way. unpredictable ride. And then we have Cherry from the the Russo brothers, so. and that is uh, based on the Nico Walker uh, novel, which I read, and uh, it's it's a dramatic, intense story, and Tom Holland. Uh, is is going to I think uh, rock it. So I guess uh, it's it's a it's weird to to look at it this way, but it does feel a bit like we can't jump to any big conclusions yet about the the overall award season narrative because these these films could all really make a dent in it, right? I mean, what would we say? Is there an obvious sense of what the best picture race looks like? It feels like we we can't. It's it's just so early. I mean, a lot of these films could shake things up, right? No? Uh, well, you've got the whole Netflix lineup. I'm still oh, fascinated <laughs> by, yeah, I'm, I'm still fascinated about, about by how that's going to play out. For example, I can tell you that Academy members are already seeing Mank. They're getting links. They're getting 
alcohol delivered to them, whiskey. You're getting um, meats and, and whiskey. What else do you need? So, you so, you know, in the old days, it would be whining and dining and parties to get people to come and see movies. So this is the equivalent now um, in this part of the Oscar season. Later on, they're not allowed to do that after the nominations. But now they can. They can bribe anybody they want. The more you know the rules, the more you can right <laughs> up to that line. So so I, I, I'm curious to see, you know, how how I, I still think Nomadland is is you know, for example, the cinematographer won uh, the Camera Homage Award uh, this this week, and and that's a very prestigious cinematography yeah. award. So this is cinema verite. This is taking the, these extraordinary American landscapes. It's not the standard issue. It's very Terrence Malick. It's not the standard issue um, fictional cinematography the way they shot that movie is extraordinary so what do you think nomadland versus chicago seven are we still in that mode or is, is mank somewhere in the in the middle of that is it that trifecta does soul come along and bulldoze all of that stuff ma rainey's black bottom uh i mean some of these are actor fests you know um uh there that's i think ma rainey uh could do well too. Uh, it's it's uh, Chicago Seven has the advantage of 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 its resonance with with the contemporary times. If they can get Joe Biden to say he loves Chicago Seven, <laughs> I'm sure somebody's working on that endorsement right now with our with our new president elect. Many times over, yeah, many but times we're totally <laughs> we're to- I don't know. Maybe the politics are going to recede as we move forward and, and, uh, you know, the prom is the great escapist musical talking about the golden globes. Um, you know, I'm I'm telling you, man, watch mole agent. It's just going to keep rising. (laughs) It's an unpredictable year. So why don't we talk about viewing recommendations because it is Thanksgiving and I'm sure that people, even if they're paying attention to the year in cinema, some things are available, some things aren't available and they want something that they can sit down with, friends or relatives, hopefully in manageable numbers to, to sit back and enjoy. What, what have you been watching? What do you recommend? Well, I'm like everybody else. Apparently the most watched miniseries on Netflix of recent vintage is, 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 is Queen's Gambit. And I was up, I was in there early. Uh, Scott Frank is one of the best writers out there and uh, he's been around for a while. And, and uh, he, 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 the godless, the, the, the Western that he did was extraordinary also. Um, so I, I, I can't uh, recommend that highly enough. It's, it's, it's like, I was, I was addicted. <laughs> I had to binge through it, you know, Now, did you buy a, when it was over. Did you buy a chess set when it was over? Because apparently sales are. are yes, uh, I know. I know. I bought one for someone else that's what i did for someone uh, else <laughs> yes exactly um and then and then the crown of course i binged that and josh o'connor breaks out of that as a major movie star now i've had this conversation with a few people already do you think that you need to have seen the earlier seasons of the crown to get into this one no i mean ideally you would but there's the first two seasons with with um the young queen elizabeth and and the romance with philip and and her learning how to become queen her education if you like and then this the this round is this is the second you, you should see both seasons of this round with olivia coleman I wouldn't, okay. I would go back and see one more at least. Yeah, I, I, I definitely have some catching up to do there. I watched Queen's Gambit. I enjoyed it quite a bit. The thing that was most exciting for me about that was on, on a Taylor Joy, you know, really 
finding her her movie star moment in a way through this series. I mean, she's been around and great since The Witch and the Shyamalan film that she did was, was a really strong role, but it, it felt like this miniseries gave her the perfect platform to just, she carries every scene of this thing. So she's well. extraordinary. And I love that she's been cast as Furiosa in, in the next Mad Max. Cool. And I absolutely love uh, that Emma could come on strong now in the Oscar race, just because of Queen's Gambit. That makes me happy. I love it when real life interferes with what would have happened. All right. I have a very different viewing recommendation not necessarily for you, Anne, but maybe maybe your daughter would get into it. I don't I don't know. Oh, now you're going to insult me. OK, what? It's the Eric Andre show. This is prank comedy at its finest. And we've talked about Borat and how great that is. But Borat has, you know, a kind of a political inclination where he's exposing aspects of society. Eric Andre just wants to mess with people. And it's, it's so amazing. The show is it's this adult swim show he's been doing for five seasons and he gained all this weight for this particular round. It's sort of, he plays off the tropes of a late night show and he'll get guests to come on and then treat them in really weird, unpredictable ways. But he also does this man on the street type stuff where in one episode, he, he makes it seem like he was a window washer who fell off a, a building and he's all bloodied and there's like broken bones coming out of him and he's walking around on the street and everyone just start, starts freaking out. Like, do we help the guy? What are we supposed to do here? And then he reveals that there's another guy who fell down and that he was in a fight with him or something. And the scene keeps getting more and more complicated. And it's amazing because some people want to help and some people are just mortified or they take their phones out. Every episode has something like that embedded in the crazy weirdness of it. So he's like doing something similar, I think, to what Sasha Baron Cohen is doing, but turning up the kind of surreal insanity of that kind of prank art. And here's the, the, the best part. Every episode is like 10 or 11 minutes long. So just as you're like starting to process what this guy is doing, the credits roll, and you're just left sort of gobsmacked. And every episode is directed by this guy, Kitao Sakurai, who made a movie that we actually premiered at Roof with Rooftop years ago called Aardvark. It was a very serious drama and it didn't totally take off. So then he moved out to LA and, and now is doing this crazy prank comedy stuff, which is working out much better. Um, they had a movie they made together called Bad Trip that was supposed to premiere at South by Southwest that uh, is doing the same thing on a more, on a more advanced level. But I, I highly recommend if anyone wants something really outside the box and crazy, give it, give this show a shot. It's, it's really fun. And Hey, maybe you and your daughter, after you get through, you know, uh, binge watching the crown all over the again, you can, you know, find something a little bit different. That's, that's the direction to, to go. Maybe my, my weird recommendation would be uh, Jez Butterworth's Britannia, which is on epics. Uh. That's with David one. Morrissey as a Roman general trying to conquer the Druids and his gods against the Druids. Uh, really violent and punk and out there, completely crazy. Yeah, people uh, high on uh, apothe apothecary findings is uh, it, spiking the, the water at the Roman camp, uh, cream coming on with I Feel Free. Uh, it's crazy. And I love it.
That's a pretty good set. So basically, we've just programmed everyone's Thanksgiving weekend. <laughs> watch all of these shows, and you're basically fine, and then you can go back to watching movies, of which there are many. So I hope you do enjoy your downtime. And I, I've said this on our staff call earlier because, you know, there's so many of us who are workaholics at this time of year, but it is important for us to relax a bit, take the world into focus, and then, you know, jump right back into it because we've got a ways to go with this award season and I certainly am enjoying writing it out with you, but I'm already exhausted. So <laughs> enjoy <laughs> your weekend. Have fun. Have fun. You too, Eric. All right, Ann. Bye. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. <laughs> 